0: Welcome back to Behind the Met Net Podcast. It's been a minute, to say the least. Uh, yes, I'm your it host. has. I'm your host, Michael, and right beside me is I am Matthew. And it's good to be back after, what was it, a week and a bit?
1: Um, Pretty much two weeks. Uh, you went to Ireland.
0: Yep. How was that? Ireland was a blast. Uh, beautiful country, great people, uh, great beer, um, obviously. Uh, if you guys haven't been to Ireland yet, uh, you should definitely go.
1: Who'd you uh, you went with you, your brother? I think you told me.
0: Yeah, yeah. We were talking about this just before uh, we started recording. Uh, we were just wanted to do something uh, during his reading week, and uh, luckily we got to Ireland. It was great.
1: How's uh? You didn't miss any games, did you? Did you try I missed to a, I Leafs? missed a
0: a Leafs, Leafs three game winning streak, of course. And yeah. then as soon as I get back, they're on a three game losing streak. <laughs> so we we know what the problem is.
1: How's the uh, how's hockey culture there? Like, do they have? Uh, do they do they really watch there? Like, I don't know.
0: I'm gonna be honest. I don't think a single person knew what hockey was, and I, and I didn't really talk much about hockey. I was just really immersed in the culture there, and I'm but I'm sure that uh, if you really dive deep, you'll find some few people.
1: What is big there that you saw as a footy? Uh,
0: there's a sport like that's like unique to Ireland. It's like Gaelic culture, but I can't remember the name of it. Okay. Uh, so like, there's like everywhere, and uh, there was like this one town that we went to that had a statue of it. And it's like they're the most popular team. It was pretty crazy.
1: So uh, I mean, we'll just get straight into the Leafs. Like, of course, yeah, you yeah. kind of missed. You kind of missed uh, a bit. Um, you didn't miss too much. Yeah, we had a three-game winning streak, but the Leafs are kind of back to their shaky ways um, yeah. this season. So um, first, we will start with their three-game losing streak, and um, the first thing I want to talk about is um, the Leafs have been kind of playing catch-up for the most uh part especially in the last two games especially against the blackhawks and then the islanders back um uh both 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 games uh you know the leafs are out of it right out the bat like first period they, they they gave up many goals um and then the leafs in the third period made big pushes so uh i believe in uh against against the blackhawks i believe they were uh they gave up four goals in the first period, yep. Um, which again is unacceptable. And then, um, but again, um, it was uh, it was not uh, Freddie in net. So that was Hutchinson. It was Hutchinson, and uh, we'll we'll talk about that later because the Leafs also are still looking for that backup goaltender. Um, but then in the third period, they scored three goals and, and kind of made a late game, uh, a late game comeback. And then again uh, against the Islanders, they gave up two goals in the first period. Um, they kind of fought back in the second period, and, and then also in the third period, they, they scored um, a pair of goals really quick right near the end, and, and, and pretty much everyone thought it. It looked like it it could have been possible to score a third goal and tie it up, but the Leafs couldn't, and uh, what do you have, do you have any thoughts about, like, uh, kind of this underdog, I know you mentioned uh, the underdog mentality. Yeah. Right? What you um, to say
0: about that? just to go off on that uh i tweeted not too long ago uh suggesting the leaf should embrace an underdog mentality because for whatever reason when they're losing the game uh, they always seem to be playing much better uh i don't know how to explain it i don't think they know how to explain it but uh, i think maybe part of it could possibly be um their tendency to think oh we are an offensive uh machine we can just pop goals whenever we feel like it uh Oh, we're down by, what, four goals? Oh, we'll just get four goals right here. Boom, problem solved with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I don't think they can we're do that all the time because, as we saw in the playoffs, when defenses get tighter, offenses become uh, goals, what I meant, is become they become harder to come by. Mm-hmm. And uh, this mentality that, uh, oh, we can score away on problems uh, doesn't work. So that's happened, what, two straight times now? Uh, and You obviously mentioned the mm-hmm. Chicago game. Um, where they were down 4-1 at one point and they almost made a game good on them for doing that but uh, you still can't be putting yourself in positions where you have to uh, make a comeback like that because you're not always going to win the game and the same thing with the Islanders game where it was 5-2 and then oh the game's pretty much over but then they scored two goals really quickly and then all of a sudden the game looks much closer than it really was and um, it's, it's a bad m- mentality to have especially this early in the year and uh, if they don't uh Change their ways uh, sooner rather than later. Um, it's it's going to carry over not only into the playoffs but for years to come. It seems like
1: now that just carries over into our next topic. In in a way, um, I guess are the Leafs really that offensive powerhouse? If uh, you know, a big problem is uh, or a big topic right now is are they even being coached correctly or to the to the full uh, extent that they can be coached? Um, I remember Mike Babcock. I don't have the exact quote, but um, he basically said. Um, you know he played Matthews 21 minutes and he had a great game. I think that was one of his better games the season. But Babcock said he played 21 minutes and I and he basically said I know that's too much. Is that really too much? Like he's playing his best players. Uh, the amount I I believe the amount that he should be playing, but but Babcock doesn't seem to want to give his star players those minutes and. Is that kind of holding back uh, the team from their full offensive capabilities?
0: I feel like the amount of ice time a player gets should not be indicative of uh, whether or not they can actually score goals. Um, But at the same time, uh, Austin Matthews should not be playing 21 minutes and the coach saying, Oh, that's too much. Because what is it? Some of the best players in the league are playing like 22, 23 plus minutes a night. Um, and the fact that Austin Matthews is playing 21 as a, as a career high or something like that, it's like, whoa, this is crazy. You, that, that can't, really, you can't really do that, uh, especially for a guy like him who is built to score goals and can do that better than most players in the league, for sure. Um, I will say this, no matter when you're on the ice, you should always try and uh, put yourself in a position to succeed offensively when you get the chance to, of course. But at the same time, uh, you shouldn't be hoping for, oh, if only hopefully this is the time that Babcock plays me this many minutes because then I can finally score goals. That doesn't always work that way.
1: For sure. 100%. Uh, like um, of course he has to make do with the minutes he has. But it, it, it brings the bigger topic into discussion. is uh, you know, is Babcock the, the problem here? Then I, I see that everywhere. I see everyone debating right now is uh, is Babcock really the problem or what is the problem with the Maple Leafs um, this year um, with them being pretty streaky. What, what what can be done to fix this? Is it, is it finding a new coach or is it something that's um, Kyle Dubas' uh, – uh, is, it, is it a mistake on Kyle Dubas' end or what is it?
0: Mm. Well, I remember Kyle Dubas was doing a media pressure yesterday because the Leafs canceled practice to have a team meeting. And he someone asked him, uh, what's the problem with this team? Uh, Is it the coach? Is it the players? And he said, it's both. He thinks, well, and I think he's right. Because, yes, Babcock uh, does make some mistakes with judgment, and that happens all the time with every coach. Let's not not kid ourselves. Even the coaches that we think are among the best of the best will make their uh, lapse in judgment every now and again. But at the same time, the players have to do uh, their job on the ice, and make sure that they're put in a position to uh, give the best possible results for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, there's like here's a few, few, few examples. Um, no one can control Mitch Marner getting hurt on the play. No one can control Alexander Kerfer getting hit in the head by uh, Jeff Carter, and then four games later needing a dental surgery. But what the Leafs can control is Morgan Riley playing alongside Cody Ceci. They can control who's uh, playing with uh, what line Jason Spezza's on. They can control Frederick Anderson's starts. But like I said, it's really a combination of both, and I, I'm i not sure what you so, think of that. I mean, underneath
1: it all, do you think that the Leafs should be looking for a new coach, or do you think uh, ride Babcock out for however long?
0: Well, here's, here's my question for you. Um, if the Leafs decide to mock after Saturday's game, uh, they need a new coach. And they bring up Sheldon Keefe. Do you think, with your on, with, in your honest opinion, that Sheldon Keefe's going to show up, is going to magically turn this team around, and at least they're going to win the Stanley Cup? Because that's what everybody thinks is going to happen. Oh, yeah. well, if uh, that's what's happened before.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, um, I, I, I don't think right now is the time to, to fire... By Mike Babcock like I really don't think so I don't even think the coach uh, The coaching market is really that great right now for them To be looking for a replacement um, The Leafs are at a kind of um, it's, it, 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 They're in a difficult situation because I do think Babcock is not I personally do think co- Babcock is not coaching this team To the full extent and I think there's Definitely blame on his end You know um, he's made a lot of Questionable decisions And on top of that he's Very hesitant to make changes and kind of adapt to the ways that um, to the things that that are happening, and um, he 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 he's very hard headed, and I think that's hurting the Maple Leafs in the end. And I don't think that uh, that's the way that the Leafs should be going. Um, And it's hard to see. It's hard to see a team with so much um, potential and, and a team with so many stars and good players not being really played. Um, the way i think Kyle Dubas built them a certain way and again that's a t- another that's a discussion for a, another time where um, yeah. you know like um, is this really the how a team is this is this really yeah. like the way Kyle Dubas built this team is this really going to work people obviously are doubting that you know an all of course. Uh, offensive powerhouse with no grit is that really going to work but even even still i don't even think Mike Babcock is really playing the team to how Kyle Dubis really envisioned. And um, definitely, like, that's there's an issue with that. But I'm with you (laughs) where I don't think bringing up uh, Sheldon Keefe would even fix it immediately. But again, you never know because um, the Pittsburgh Penguins fired their coach back in um, 2016, hired uh, Sullivan, and won uh, back to back titles. Yeah. Um, and it, it does work in the odd times. Um, but you can't always bank on that on that precedent. And um, it, it's it's a very hard debate. And my personal stance on it is that yes, I think Mike Babcock. I don't think Mike Babcock is the answer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But right now, I don't think the Toronto Maple Leafs are in a position to really make um a call on that because I don't think bringing up Sheldon Keefe will. Fix it if 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 it if things get drastic if the Leafs let's say have a terrible rest of November or even a terrible December yeah um actually I if, if they have a terrible November I think something would have to be done then maybe fire Mike Babcock and bring up uh, Sheldon Keith but again that's only if something drastic happens if it's if the Leafs are still streaky um something just has to be done but again I don't think just um, just replacing Mike Babcock is the answer. What about you? Do you think? Um, like what's, <coughs> what's your answer? Do you essentially think Mike Babcock should uh, be coach be coaching the Leafs, or do you think that they should be looking for a well, bef- replacement?
0: Before I start, uh, if you guys are hearing me coughing, uh, yes, I do have the flu. Yes, I'm still yeah. getting over it. Uh, we were hear- we were
1: supposed to film this like uh, a few days ago, but. Yeah. You know, this- uh, he couldn't even get off his couch. It was that bad.
0: Yeah, the stomach flu, guys, is one of the worst things you can get. Uh, if you have it, I feel for you. Okay, so on one hand, Mike Babcock does a lot of things that make you want to pull your hair out, and you wonder if he's even the right coach, and I totally agree with that because the usage, um, the way he's uh, making the team play, um, the different styles that he has compared to what Dubas is trying to implement. And of course, what people say, oh, that's what Keith does. Keefe is exactly what.
1: Uh, I've, said. I've seen that a lot too. I've seen people say, I, I don't remember the exact instance, but I've seen tweets where they're like, um, you know, whatever happened on uh, in the game, and Sheldon Keith readjusted immediately. Uh, that's something that the Leafs can only wish for. I saw, I saw a tweet like that, but um, go on, like that's an example.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, uh, there's a lot of things that Ma- Mike Babcock can't fully control. Like, for example, all the turnover from last season to this season. One thing that people tend to forget is that this team made a lot of changes this offseason. And we're in mid-November, and they're still getting adjusted to it. Like, two new assistant coaches, a bunch of new players, both on defense and offense, and all the injuries. So that means new uh, lineups have to come about each and every day. And... Now this new backup goalie, which we'll get to a little bit later. When you put it all together, that's a lot of uh, turnover and uh, changes for the team compared to last year. And you should be surprised. I think it's actually kind of uh, impressive that the Leafs are only a point out of the playoff spot, at least at the time we're recording this. Uh, Right now it's, what, 5.30? This is before the Leafs are playing the Boston Bruins. It's it's about 5.30
1: um, on Friday night. Um, and the Leafs are about to play Boston Bruins, so that that gives a little context for you guys there.
0: Yeah, um, the Leafs are still in it. Uh, they're not completely out of the woods, even though people are saying, "Oh, the Leafs are not going to make the playoffs now because they're uh, playing bad." Yeah, it's it's a
1: tight div- it's a tight division right now. The race is tight.
0: Yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, Tampa Bay, uh, even though they're not in the playoff spot right now, they're uh, heating up. They're uh, heating up. Yep, uh, Florida's playing really well. Montreal seems to be playing pretty well. Buffalo's still in it. Uh, and the Atlantic Division is much tighter than it has been. Uh, in the past few years in a, it, in a
1: while Yeah The Atlantic division is really good Like honestly Other than Detroit <laughs> Detroit and, and Ottawa and, Yeah That's that's pretty much it Everyone else is competitive and, and it's nice to see But it's really difficult For the To the For the Toronto Maple Leafs
0: But again to the point uh, We're still in November And The playoffs have not been decided I know people want to say Oh at least we are not going to make the playoffs now Because They're not playing great But they They They're playing well Enough in some aspects and it's only a matter of time before they get fully healthy and hopefully uh, the injury luck uh, balances out in their favor we've been seeing a bunch of games where they're playing exceptionally well but uh, mistakes are getting in their way and I could go on and on about these kind of stuff but Mike Babcock's actually doing a fine job in, in some aspects and I don't think just firing him for the sake of firing him because that's what the fans want is the right move that feels like more of a knee jerk reaction. And the last thing the Leafs want to do is, is those kind of moves because those uh are never really good, not only in the short term but in the long term. And uh we Leafs have been known to do that in the past quite a bit.
1: hmm Again, um yeah, I think Mike Babcock should stay um kind of talking about how you said, you know, November is too early to judge. Um I think yeah, I think it's way too early to judge, but then it also brings up the my Opinion about where I think the Leafs have a terrible Decem- December. I think that's where it's starting to cross into, you know, that uh, end of December is around the time where, you know, if you're going to make that playoff push, you really need to make the changes you need to make because that's bordering into starting to become later, you know. Um, it might be too late by January or, or by the deadline to, to, to make that adjustment.
0: I hate to bring up the St. Louis
1: Blues uh, again. That's the exception, yeah.
0: But. Let's 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 not kid ourselves. Uh, it's not over till it's over. That's true. But to your point, uh, the Leafs do need to have a good December if they want to ensure that uh, their playoff chances remain intact. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, well, right now, what is it? Uh, people are saying they look at the rest of the month of November and they're not 100 percent confident uh, in the Leafs' so chances of winning a bunch of the games. And to be fair, what is it? This this weekend uh, we've got two uh, big games. And uh, a bunch of road games, of big road trips coming up. Um, you would like to think that at some point the Leafs are going to get more regulation wins than they currently have. Because what is it? Everyone's like, oh, the Leafs only have six regulation wins against bottom tier teams. It's like, whoa, Leafs are not good, right?
1: That doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, we'll see how that plays out. We'll see how that plays out. Yeah, exactly. Um, But the next, I guess the next topic is... um. All season long, the Trauma Maple haven't really put out a full, healthy roster, yep. and it looks like that, that the Trauma Maple are going to have to go through that for even longer now, because we have Mitch Marner injured, and just today, we found out that um, Alex Alexander Kerfoot will be out indefinitely, and how does this impact the Leafs?
0: Well, they've already uh, been shorthanded pretty much from right out of the game, so... This will be nothing new for them at this point. But Alexander Crutford has been uh, a nice addition to the Leafs uh, since coming over from the trade. Uh, His loss is going to be really felt because he's a decent center. Well, decent center, such a swinger, however you want to describe him. Um, What was it? In the game that he got hurt and then eventually required surgery, he... uh, he thought we thought oh his game is done, and then he came back and scored a big goal that mm-hmm. uh, sparked a, a rally for the Leafs, and then ended up resulting in them winning the game against the Kings. So. He's been
1: he's been one of my favorites to watch this season. Just just seeing how he's uh, filling out that third third line center role. Um, uh, he he has five goals, which is it's, it's it's decent, especially for his role. That's exactly where we want him to be. Um, but again, this does create another hole for the. For the Leafs to have to fill, they pretty much all season has been creating holes. And I guess, uh, I guess my next question is: How does this uh, affect like Tavares and Matthews? How will they be played?
0: Well, everyone's saying, uh, "Oh, well, Tavares and Matthews are only going to play like what one more minute than they normally do because that's what Backhook does." Huh. <laughs> but in all seriousness, the pressure is really on them now to uh, execute uh, Matthews especially because his line is the only line at the moment that's fully healthy uh Tavares yes he's got Hyman but uh Kapanen is no Mitch Marner
1: no discredit to Cappy. It, it's just that line <laughs> that, that that magical line has just been torn apart all season yeah you know we had Mitch Marner uh well, first we had Tavares and Marner with no Hyman and then we lost Tavares and now and now when they finally get uh Zach Hyman back they lose uh Mitch Marner so that 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 uh Sorry, the the lights just we were recording this like in a uh, studio at yeah. Ryerson, but uh, you could see like the hallways and everything and the classrooms and the lights just turned off randomly. It's pretty spooky. It is. Uh, but anyways, I was I was saying as I was saying um that that line has never been a hundred percent, and we know last year that line has probably been the most important line for the Toronto Maple Leafs last season. Um, so. I don't want. I don't think that the Leafs want to use any excuses, and I don't want to give them any excuses. But the fact that their biggest line hasn't been a hundred percent all season, and the fact that pretty much their entire lineup hasn't been a hundred percent all season, um, I mean, <coughs> it's something to think about. Obviously, it's uh, the Leafs are playing at a disadvantage. Yeah. Um Injuries are normal, though. Like every every team deals with injuries, but the Leafs have been uh, getting it really hard this season and um I-, I can only hope that um Marner recovers pretty quickly and then that the Leafs can pick things up yeah but yeah it's been it's been tough and I and I do think this brings a lot more pressure onto Matthews and and Tavares. and I think especially Tavares, who obviously is coming back from an injury and he wants to show um kind of kind of Show what he can do coming back off this injury, and he kind of has to carry that line a little more now uh like you said captain's no marner um so it's it's really gonna be crucial for the team to kind of um weigh down on those two as kind of their crutches i mean that's that's what you want when you're paying these players eleven eleven million dollars plus
0: yeah and uh just to add to that uh the Leafs for the last three years, uh, we can say have been pretty lucky with injuries. Uh well, maybe with the exception of last year was probably the probably the worst of the bunch, but uh you could say the Leafs got pretty lucky with all the injuries. Uh, pretty lucky. Like this is probably the worst it's been since the Matthews, Marner, Neil. And you know, what, I
1: don't I don't even want we're not gonna <coughs> jinx it, but hey, like Austin Matthews has been playing great. Let's just hope he doesn't get injured as well because he is playing Amazingly knock on wood that he doesn't get injured, but but uh, of course, he has been a rock for the Toronto Maple Leafs, yep. And I definitely want to see what he can do in a full season,
0: Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, yes, it's been they've been pretty lucky with injuries, uh, so far, so good, uh, with the last three years, but this year has been the exact opposite. Here's what I think as bad as it's been with all the injuries they've been getting. And uh, as unlucky as it may be, it could be a blessing in disguise for one reason and one reason only, dealing with adversity. Because if there's one thing a team can rally behind is like learning how to play shorthanded and get, uh, developing a next-man-up mentality. And there's a reason why least got a bunch of death players uh, this offseason is for stuff like this, in case they happen. And they're going in full force. They continue to... The injury bug continues to really hit on the Leafs. Really hard uh, in the first two months of the season, and their depth has been really tested uh, for, for obvious sure. reasons.
1: How would you uh, how would you play, I guess the the bottom six, um, kind of to slot in in replacement of uh, Kerfoot.
0: Well, for right now, um, depending on how how long Kerfoot's going to be out, I would say just. I mean, we have no clue. With, it's indefinite. So. Yeah, it's indefinite. Could be a uh, few days. Could be a uh, few weeks. Uh, they could put him on IR just for the hell of it, and then call up Pierre Engvall for some reason because <laughs> he's been playing really well.
1: He has been. He has been.
0: But he's. A, yeah, but uh, not joking aside, he's actually a player that uh, if Marner and uh, Kerfoot's injuries become more l- long term then that's a guy that i would call up immediately because he's been playing well I, I would, would call him up
1: and i would shuffle around that bottom six
0: a bit until yeah. you find something
1: yeah exactly correctly i believe they're playing jason spetson in uh, his spot how do you feel about that
0: well i mean that's really all they can really do just uh, shuffle the lines us uh, see if something sticks uh for the time being uh you want to be prepared for uh matchup changes and uh dealing with adversity for stuff like this uh I think it's a good thing because now you get to try out uh, different things, see mm. what works, see what doesn't work. One thing
1: one thing I'm glad about is that he, Babcock didn't try putting Nylander to replace Kerfoot as playing him at center because that line has really been clicking. Um, Matthews and Nylander has been really clicking again, and I think you got to keep that rolling. You just have to keep that rolling.
0: And uh, obviously during the playoffs uh, this past spring uh, was a pretty prime example that as good as Nylander is uh, with a dominant player like Matthews, mm. He, for whatever reason, cannot fully control line on yeah. his own, and uh, playing with, alongside Marlow and Brown, the offense from him basically disappeared from if sure. you remember. so it's good on Balcock for re- learning from his mistakes in but, that regard. Again, how
1: long did it take to, <laughs> to learn that? It took a long playoff series to learn that.
0: but it also took getting eliminated from the playoffs.: I know. you'd think that uh, oh, one game is not enough for that. Oh)
1: <laughs> Okay, we're back. We had some technical um, We had some technical difficulties. Yeah. Audition is being kinda weird. Doesn't like us for some it doesn't reason. Doesn't like us. It didn't like us two episodes ago, one save, but um I guess we'll just pick up right where we left off. Um yeah, so I think what well, we were talking about the injuries and um filling in for Kerfoot and we were talking about how it took Babcock a whole playoff series to figure out that playing Neander on is on the third line is not working.
0: Yeah. Um but at the same time like I so like I was saying before um you got to develop this next man up mentality and uh, we saw it clearly with the Boston Bruins uh and they were pretty successful after like getting a whole skill of injuries and they were able to go all the way to the Stanley Cup finals game 7. That's pretty impressive for a team that was like you could think, "Oh, that's only one line team. Uh, they've got nothing there." Uh, what, what, what are we what are we seeing here? Mm-hmm. But uh, no, they you can if you have a next man up mentality, it'll go a
1: long way. For sure, um, <laughs> and then I, I I'd say our final topic for this week for the Toronto Maple Leafs is uh, the backup goalie situation. Ooh, this should be fun. It's always fun. Um, the 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 Leafs did uh, send down Hutchinson, put him on waivers, and he, and, cleared. Uh, and he cleared, and uh, they. Just one second. There we go. Just looking up the press release. He, uh, They did uh, call up... Ka- I'm, I'm terrible. Kasimir Kaskasuo. Kasimir Kaskasuo. That's got, how you I say got you. it. There we go. Um, so they, they called him up. And uh, do you think this is the the answer for the Leafs in, in net? Or do you think they should be looking for a, a backup goalie? Because there, have, there, there were um, reports that the Toronto Maple Leafs were um, looking... In the goalie market, you know what could they take? I believe they were looking at um, Darling, um, but nothing really came about from that. And is this where they look, or do they keep? Is this where they look for an answer, or do they keep looking, or, or what? What do you think?
0: Well, let's first
1: start by saying
0: um, Hutchinson had a much shorter leash than uh, Sparks did. Uh, it's pretty pretty crazy. Remember last year, I was like, oh, Sparks is terrible. You got to get rid of him. He's not the answer. And he pretty much lasted the entire season without. before he got uh, sent away on, uh, what was it? Uh, re- rehab? Not rehab. I can't remember what it was. They just sent him away. I don't remember. But, like, he lasted the entire season, and Hudson only lasted, what, a few games? And he's already
1: done for, it seems like. I mean, he didn't win a game. No.
0: It's it's unfortunate, because yeah. the first game he played, the Leafs were playing decently up until the third period, and then just snowball from there. I don't know what it is. For some whatever reason, at least... Seem to play worse in front of their backup goalie. Maybe it's because of a lack of trust. And I think we saw with with uh, they have a trust in him because like he can reliably make saves. Um, that's a topic for another day. But to Hind- getting...
1: hindsight is twenty twenty. I yeah, mean, of course. Every I see so many people blaming Kyle Dubas on you know he should have he should have kept uh, he should he should have kept uh, and he should have let go of Sparks, but. I mean hey would you rather take the potential young goalie with with a lot of potential obviously coming off a championship in the AHL um, or would you take the old goalie? yes he's reliable, but of course age age is a big thing lot um, the time is undefeated mm-hmm, and you get to keep one you, that that's essentially the, the the problem they they face is you, you only choose one. I mean, I think the, the younger goalie seems more attractive, right?
0: Yeah, I think the Leafs made the right move. With Without the benefit of hindsight, I think everybody would make the same move. You go with the younger goalie. Without looking at the names, without the numbers and everything, chances are the younger goalie will be there much longer. And no, who could have predicted that Curtis McElhaney would continue to be this effective at his age? But that's a, that's a topic for another day. Getting to Kaskisuo, from what I've heard, like, or at least I've seen from media reports. Mm-hmm. They're going to try him out for a bit. It's, like, way too early to say, oh, they're not going to go with him. He's not the answer. For now, he, he, we don't know if he's the answer. So, essentially,
1: the Leafs are hoping for the best.
0: Yeah, exactly. They're like, hoping for the try,
1: best. ride him out for a few games, see where he's at. If he, it's a, it's a tough time to test the waters, though, because, again, the Leafs are very streaky, and it's like you want to test the waters, but you don't want to... It to cost a few games where right now it's it's so close and and the Leafs are already sliding right it's it's, it's really it's really tough it is but at the same time would you rather just keep going to
0: Hudson and hope that one day one game he's finally gonna that win his first win. <laughs> yeah. yeah you don't want to wait on that at this at that at, and at this point in the season where you've already lost key games five times or however many games Hudson's played you want to try something different and Kaskisuo credit where credit is due I know last year he was. Mediocre, and Hudson was the reason why he's on the team uh, but Kaskasu made it, was great in the playoffs now he's uh had an exceptional start for the Marlies. and Kaskasu is now getting a great chance and I think uh, I don't know how he's going to do uh, I from what I remember seeing from the Mar, from the Marleys uh, playoff run last year he played great uh, he probably the Marlies way farther than anybody would have expected them to um I can all, all I can really hope for is that he can make a save. And uh, we're gonna find that out uh, and try it on
1: Saturday. We'll see. Um, <coughs> how many? Theoretically, how many losses would? Oh, just Sorry, give him, a, give him a second to die in the corner. Stomach flu is <laughs> the worst, like I said. But uh, theoretically, how many games? W- how many losses would you give Kaskasuo before the Leafs kind of say? Okay, we have to find a replacement.
0: I'd say the same thing with Hutchinson. Give him five games because that's more than enough sample size. I know it's a pretty short leash, but at the same time, the season is very important, and especially with a lot of guys that are on the last year of their contracts. Uh, you cannot waste any more uh, time uh, making a decision on who's going to be the backup goalie going forward.
1: Yeah, because so, those, those are those are games that the Leafs kind of need to win. They're not in really a, a, a position of luxury right now where they can um just let those games kind of go yeah they, they they have to win pretty much every game right now um but you you say five games
0: i'd say like, however long it took before Hutchison finally got uh sent down to the marley's uh, what would
1: you what would you say if he loses his first three games
0: um well that's too premature like i said no give him give him like at least five ish okay. games i think that's enough time and then you can get an idea like Okay, is Kaskusu the answer? Yes or no? If he is, great. We finally have our back boy going forward. If not, all right, we'll just look out. What else is out there?
1: Okay, so that's all our Leafs stuff. Let's let's quickly take a look at uh, some of the other big headlines in hockey. Um, one thing I wanted to quickly talk uh, about are the Oilers. Are they the real deal? Now, are you are you convinced that they're they're the real deal? Because they're they're playing good, and Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl are on another level.
0: We'll see. I'm still not fully convinced, and it's no discredit to Conor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. should never uh, discredit them, but at the same time, we're still in November, and it's the same thing with a lot of teams. It's too early to tell. It is too early, but... I'm impressed with what... Let, I will say this. I've been very impressed with how they've been doing so far this season. They have really good top-heavy pieces, and they've been carrying them so far, and that's an, a good thing. Having Conor McDavid playing the way he's been playing right now is exceptional. All I can say is, I hope they can continue then.
1: I don't know if they can.
0: And if any one of their key guys goes down with an injury, it's going to be really tough. Yeah,
1: I mean, don't forget about Leon Draisaitl. Yeah, of um, course. I actually would say, I don't know, he could be... I, In my opinion, he might be a more integral to the team than Conor McDavid right now, just in the way that dynamic is going. Um, did you did you did you see the highlights from yesterday's game against uh the Avalanche? I didn't see the highlights, but I saw the
0: the, the, mm. the headlines. David
1: uh, scored six <laughs> points, three goals,
0: three assists, and and everyone forgets Leon Drysol got five, five assists, five assists on that. Like that's just it's crazy. insane. Like
1: when was the last time like two teammates were MVP candidates together? Because I, I really I really do think in the end, like if they keep this up. They'll be one and two in MVP voting if they keep this up. Again, we we're so early in the in the year, but I'm just saying if, if they if they could play this way, which is insane, absolutely insane, if they could play this way, right until the season's end, then they could be number one and two in MVP voting.
0: Doesn't this kind of remind you of the Pittsburgh Penguins during their early years uh, with Crosby and Malkin? Because those are Definitely. that's a one-two punch right there.
1: No, but they're they're playing on. They're playing together. Yeah, so.
0: well, like because the Oilers have basically all their money tied up in uh, their key guys, and uh, they they can't really spend elsewhere. But at the same time, like if you put them on separate lines and they can carry it on their own, Like that's essentially Malkin Crosby 2.0. And I think that's a great thing for the Oilers to have. They really just, like I was saying in the past, get more depth if you can find it. Find quality players, because uh, that's what's really going to keep you... Uh, Keep the start that you're. They've been on uh, sustainable because, like I said, I'm not fully convinced because when their their hot their key players go cold, are their depth players going to step up? That's the big thing for me because, like as great as great as McDavid's uh, six point performance
1: was, the that, Oilers also scored six goals. That's, their offense is not um, spread out. It really isn't spread out, and yeah. they, they really need help from those other guys. You know
0: exactly, and that's what I'm saying. If you can find more depth um, and find quality depth for cheap or if you can make a trade and get some, a quality guy for, for money and find a way to move out bad salary, then hell yeah. Then, you, you've got a much, then I'd be much more confident in the Oilers than I probably am right now because like I said, they're very top-heavy and they're one, one of their key players slump away from uh, falling
1: down in the standings and that's something that I don't want to see for the Oilers because they're fun to watch that kind of leads into the next topic. I know we didn't really talk about it before, but I just thought of I just I just realized we should be talking about this. Of course. Taylor Hall. It was reported that he's unlikely to sign a contract extension with the Devils. And I mean, kind of makes sense. He's always said he wants to play for a playoff team He wants to play in the playoffs, and he's only been in the playoffs once. Yeah. And the Devils are really not looking like they'll make the playoffs once that's, again. That's pretty crazy considering the offseason they had, but at the same time, it's they're just, a young yeah. team. They're a young team. Um, you you would hope like they would click a little better, but Jack Hughes is starting to heat up. I remember people were calling him a bust like five games in because he didn't score for a while, but uh, he's heating up. He is. He's looking good. But Taylor Hall, again, it's been reported that he's unlikely to sign a contract extension. Mm-hmm. Do the Devils trade him? I would.
0: You may as well. If, if your chances of signing him are close to zero, or like by the time you get closer to the trade deadline uh, And he's like No nah, I'm not, com- not coming back Trade him because that's the best thing I mean, you can do He
1: is essentially saying if it, uh, He is essentially saying according to these reports That he's not going to sign with them um, And I wouldn't blame him Yeah But the devil's got to look Across Across the bay Or the, the river whatever they call it in New York And see the islanders That basically gave John Tavares away for nothing You don't want that You have a, an MVP Former MVP um, You can get something out of that Exactly. So, yeah the the, uh, the the Devils should be exploring Trade opportunities now Like they should be looking Now right up to the deadline No matter how long it takes To get that perfect deal They should look for something And This goes back to The Oilers You were talking about Should the Oilers uh, You know Look for more offensive help through trades or or whatnot. And the Oilers, in addition with, like, the Avalanche, um, I've seen the Avalanche be one of the candidates. The Oilers are talking about as one of the, uh, you know, one of the teams that should be looking into acquiring Taylor Hall. And what do you think about that? Like, what would they even give up?
0: If they can afford him and they have the pieces that the Devils would want to to come to get, why the hell not? Uh, Taylor Hall, I think the Oilers would would welcome him back with open arms. And he'd be an exceptional fit on that team because they absolutely need, like I was saying earlier, more offensive help. Even if it's going to make a top-heavy team just slightly more top-heavy because now you have, what, four? You're basically relying on four guys for offense. But it's it's hard to say if the Oilers can really even uh, afford it.
1: Um, I think they could muster up a package to send over to the, the Devils, but I'm... I just, I don't know. Like, they, they're they're going to be putting all their eggs into one basket there because they will have to trade at least one first-round pick, I'd assume. And um, Puliarvi is, is he still technically on there? Uh, is he still technically a, a prospect for them? I, I know he signed uh, over. He's, me, still,
0: he's still kind of, like, under, like contract is like, he under contract no, he's not under contract but he can like he's still under team rights but he, he's playing for a team I think, and in, uh in if he doesn't right sign now. by december 1st uh as we know with the william nylander rule uh he cannot play for the remainder of the season i think if i remember correctly they're they're exploring signing him or something so they they can trade him
1: so they can trade him could if, they include him in they a could hockey?
0: they could trade his rights and then a team could sign and say hey you want to come over to north america then yeah i'll play and uh, so what happens
1: at face value, he's not really worth that much. Then though, if, no. If they have to persuade him to try and come back,
0: his value right now is pretty low, and I don't know how many teams are going to be willing to give up assets for a guy that may or may not be willing to return to North America unless he, yeah. he's getting an opportunity. He wouldn't to
1: play. be a selling point. He would more so be an additional piece to yeah. kind of spice and spice the value up a little bit. But I mean, the the Oilers would have to include, you know. Either one, maybe even two first, and maybe an A, or depending on how many first they include, an A or B level prospect., yeah. And in terms of their A level prospects, I can really only think of Evan Bouchard. Yep. Um Yamamoto, really those two, I think, um, if, if they were to make a deal for the uh, Taylor Hall, that they would have to center it around either one of those prospects.
0: It may not even be the Oilers. We don't even know what team might actually be the best fit for yeah. Taylor Hall. But at the end of the day, um, if I'm the Devils, uh, just to go back to the Devils, um, you have to make a trade by January because if it's closer to the trade deadline, teams might not be as willing to make a big splash. And we've seen that historically. like Teams are very scared to make the big move. And uh, if you want Taylor Hall to be adjusted and like, comfortable in his new home and potentially be a place that he'd be actually be willing to sign with, I'd say... The deadline would be January 31st to make a trade for uh, Taylor Hall If, in fact, he doesn't want to stay in New Jersey For sure And
1: if I'm the Oilers um, Because we were already talking about the Oilers Let's just talk about their possibility of getting Taylor Hall of If course. I'm the Oilers, I look at Taylor Hall as like Yeah, like that could really bolster our team That's exactly what we want We, Yeah, it is, it is staying top-heavy But you, you're, you're expanding your offensive power in the end um, I don't know if we, I don't know if the the, the Oilers should be breaking up Drysaitl and McDavid because again Taylor Hall could be that um that left winger that um McDavid has been looking for. Right now it's Leon Drysaitl who's actually a center playing the wing. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do you put Drysaitl back on the uh, the second line center position to have them kind of like a one two punch like Crosby and Malkin or? Do they thrive best together? That's a, that's also one thing. Are they playing at the MVP level because they're playing together, or can Dreisaitl drive his own line?
0: I feel like he can, uh, but you ha- I think he has to because as good as it is to have McDavid and Dreisaitl together, uh, I think we can all agree that uh, they they make each other exceptional, but like I said, the Oilers are very top-heavy. Uh, you can't just have put all your eggs in one basket. I think they need to learn how to play without each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, it has to start by uh, making them on two separate lines.
1: I would I would definitely tr- look into getting Taylor Hall playing him beside Connor McDavid. We never really got to see that because McDavid was injured half the season in his rookie season. Yep. But um, that would be honestly insane to basically oh, yeah. two MVP. They could basically have three MVP caliber players on one team. Um, Dreisaitl playing with James Neal. Um, see how that works. That just adds a little more firepower. Just... Just a little, even if they're not getting more depthful per se. But I mean, it's already coming from the top, so why not just bolster that top? You know.
0: Imagine if the trade was uh, Hall for Larson again.
1: <laughs> trade is one for one. I mean, if the Devils, if it's if it's trade deadline <coughs> day and the Devils don't have any offers, like get something, right? That'd be hilarious, <laughs> but like that would never happen. Of course not. <laughs> not again. Um, Lighting doesn't strike twice. I don't think. <laughs> And then uh, that was that was a really big uh, thing I wanted to talk about. I yeah, mean, is there any other hockey things you um, want to touch on? Not nothing as huge as that. I mean, Crosby's out six weeks. I yeah. think that really really affects the Penguins. Again, the Penguins are on kind of a path to regress. They're kind of still they're still hanging in there. They're still a very good team. You never count on the Penguins, but oh, of course. Um, again, it's 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 just starting like that. That, that the kind of downward spiral is just. Starting and yeah, I still won't count them out because it's the Pittsburgh Penguins and they're very good, but yeah, I mean Crosby off for six weeks is going to hurt them.
0: Well, oh, but they they've been used to it before because Evgeny Malkin uh, is still on the is still on the lineup uh, and he has shown historically to elevate his game for when sure. uh, Crosby's out of the lineup. So he's going to be a very key big piece for uh, them going forward, and I think he's more than willing to take on that responsibility because, like I was saying. Crosby and Malkin could essentially be the stars of the Pittsburgh Penguins on their own if there was only one of them on the team. But the fact that you have both of them is an exceptional uh, gift. And I think as sad as it is right now for Penguins fans to not have Crosby, I think they'll be just fine because Malkin's still there. But if he's hurt too, then I
1: don't know what to say. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. And then, um, uh, again, staying in the Metro, the Capitals are still the hottest team. That's they're, just crazy. They're, they're, they're crazy. Um I think they've from the beginning of the season. I wouldn't have expected them to be the hottest team in the league. I thought they would start to regress a bit, but they're still one of my favorites for the uh, to take it all this 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 season. If they if they keep it up, Carlson's playing like insane.
0: Yeah, that's that's an understatement. Uh, we saw it uh, in the two games at least. We're playing the Capitals. Like he was a big part of their uh, offense, and it's just absolutely nuts. Just not not simply him, but the the team itself are playing exceptional. Uh, you. I didn't think that they were going to be
1: the the top dog
0: in the uh, Metro. I thought it was the Carolina Hurricanes uh, division to lose.
1: I mean, just echoing what Ovechkin said about the Leafs. I mean, I guess the the Capitals just haven't figured it out. I guess.
0: Yeah, it helps that they have all those experience, and they now yeah. have a Stanley Cup uh, f- two years ago
1: to, to prove that they know what it takes to win. So um, we'll bounce into basketball next. Um, not, uh-huh, too <laughs> not too many like that one. not too many headlines there, but. Uh, for the Toronto Raptors, like they're they're they've played exceptionally well. Um, they they just went on their like uh, their Western road trip, um, which saw them play the Lakers and the Clippers back to back, and actually put in like put in a great effort. Can you imagine if the Leafs played back to backs like like how the Raptors did? Like that was insane. And the Raptors are shorthanded too. Let's not shorthanded beating. The Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and holding LeBron James to I believe thirteen points. I have to double check that, but and then they also limit Kawhi. To they, like 12 they limited points? Kawhi to twelve points. I mean, um, the 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 Clippers, uh, the Clippers did get the best of the Raptors, but it was a very close game, and um, the, the 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 Raptors are again looking always very depthful, and I like how you were saying the Leafs have to develop a next man up mentality. If we're translating into basketball, the the Raptors have that mentality. They, they've always had that mentality. You've always seen, um, you know, like the other guys, the bench players really, um, coming into their own. And, uh, that's really the case. You know, um, Chris Boucher has been playing amazing. Yep. Um, Hollis Jefferson has been playing really good coming off the bench. And so has, uh, Terrence Davis, June, uh, Terrence Davis. And, uh, really interesting about him is again that's another pickup by masai who picking up an undrafted player much like you know uh fred van vliet i mean again look look, look at what fred van vliet's doing like he's basically a starter right now of he's, course he's basically gonna lead him and siakam are leading the team right now um but it just shows that next man up mentality is really clicking for the toronto raptors and people have counted them out after losing Kawhi, but i really don't think they've even taken much of a step back pascal siakam has established himself as not just their number one option but he's really becoming like i've seen i've seen people are talking about him getting back-to-back most improved player (laughs) awards which i i think that's technically possible
0: and i don't know if it is but uh, i think he would definitely uh, earn it because how can a guy go from a bench player to a starter caliber to now an MVP caliber player Within a span of three years Well you know He's only been playing That's since, just crazy He's only
1: been playing Since he was 16 Like when he actually First picked up basketball um, Was when he was around 16 So I, I, I saw a tweet That kind of said it best Is because he's only he, He's only started playing then Is that That's why he's learning So quickly And he's making So many large leaps Let's say his potential Is like this high Like very high um, You know he's just He started here very recently so as opposed to someone starting at the age of six or ten he's making those leaps now and that just means his his ceiling is higher mm-hmm. it's very high and i've even seen people talking about him in the mvp discussion i don't think he's that high in the mvp discussion but i think if Not he yet, keeps at least. It, if he keeps this up um the, he, he definitely could be
0: oh yeah for sure um i think it's good it's a good prospect for the raptors to have uh that even when you lose a big guy like Kawhi in your lineup uh obviously that'd be like oh that's a it's a big hole that needs to be filled but we have to remember this raptors team has just come come off a championship and they know what it takes to win and a lot of the key players are young enough that they can continue to develop and uh Gain bigger roles, and we're seeing that come to fruition, especially on this recent road trip where they're taking making other teams in the Western Conference teams that uh, we thought are gonna we're gonna destroy the Raptors or just make them you uh, take their lunch money and uh, pulp their uh, their trousers, or whatever. Um, but the Raptors, to their credit, are not we're not making it easy. they the defense is still their um, their motto and identity, and we're seeing that because they're making other teams' lethal offenses uh, silenced. And I think that's a huge thing. And uh, people are going to joke about how, oh, well, the Raptors made the Portland Trailblazers sign uh, Mellow because of the result. Which we're going to get into. We will get to, yeah. But uh, I really like, like like I'm basically what I'm trying to say is, I really like where the Raptors are at right now. Uh, I really like the way they've been playing. I like this mentality of next men up, like you were saying. And I really like their chances because they've uh, really put themselves in the conversation where, well, I mean, people were, were doubting them from the beginning. And I think that they, will, they like it that way and they, they hope it continues because uh, they're a team that uh, doesn't get a lot of attention outside of Toronto. And I think, uh, let's be honest with ourselves, I think they probably are happy
1: with that. And I think going off that, like the Raptors have always had this underdog mentality, even, even in their championship season, when Co- even acquiring Kawhi Leonard is. Oh, Kawhi's injured. He's not even going to make that much of a mark. You know? Um, like, everyone's always doubting the Raptors, mainly because they're a Canadian team. Yeah. It's understandable. But... Um, and I think the, the Raptors really developed that. And now they're champions, and they're still underdogs. So they're, they have the underdog mentality, but at the same time they have this championship mentality. They have the confidence. And that just extends so far into the roster. And... Yeah. uh Honestly, like this this road trip they made they made star players look like I wanna say bench players, but they just limited them like crazy. Like <laughs> <laughs> um there was there's something funny that happened on Twitter. Um I think uh I, I forgot what it was, but someone uh tweeted something about um about you know the Raptors were shorthanded and things like that and then uh or, or oh, it was like uh, the Raptors didn't even have to practice to beat the beat the Trailblazers, and Damian Lillard like quote tweeted that with like the thinking emoji, throwing a little shade. And <laughs> yeah. the Raptors, and after that, and people are like, oh, he's gonna he's gonna um uh, like go off he's for gonna like f- go off for like fifty points or something like that, right? Yeah. And uh, I believe he ended up scoring nine points. They held him <laughs> to nine points. And the Trailblazers lost to the Toronto Raptors in a game where Pascal Siakam scored 36 points. Yeah. Yeah, Pascal Siakam,
0: I think, is uh, quickly, and I don't know how, how close we are getting to that point uh, of MVP status, but he's quickly getting to that point where he's uh, established himself as the top tongue And he's most definitely earned that contract. I know people were questioning if that contract was an overpayment. And to be fair, a lot of American NBA fans were gonna will be easily to say, yeah, overpayment, over overrated, blah, 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 blah. But I know it's still early in the season. We're only, like, what, a few games in? But if Siakam can keep this up, he's most definitely going to be the alpha dog of this team going forward.
1: He's definitely... Even comparing him to Jamar DeRozan, I think he's a better number one option than Jamar DeRozan. I think his ceiling is higher. Yeah. Um, where do you see him... What what are your expectations for him this season, for the rest of the season? Um, I definitely think
0: that uh, he has to keep up his uh, pace if he wants to uh, be in that upper echelon of uh, potentially MVP status. Uh, I don't know if he's going to win an MVP this year. Maybe he's like a, a year or two away from that being a possibility. But I think just maintaining that status of being the, the number one option on the Raptors is what I would like to see him do. Not only uh, starting tomorrow, which I believe they're playing the Dallas Mavericks on Saturday, but uh, just maintain it for at least as much as you can for the rest of the season. Because if the Raptors want to have a shot at going deep in the playoffs again this year, uh, you're going he needs to be uh, a key part of that. And uh, so far, so good on that front. I hope he can
1: continue that. I see him as definitely being an all-star, for sure, this year. Oh, he's definitely going to the all-star and game. I can No even question see him, about it. I can see him being an all-NBA I'm uh, making an all NBA team. Second team. I th- I'm going to Second forget. team? You predict second team? Yeah. I would say second team. Um, maybe just third team, I don't know. I'm, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know, but um like again, with your uh how you mentioned that people were kind of doubting his contract. I mean, take a look at the last uh the last five most improved players. Um I have the list here. Jimmy Butler, C.J. McCollum, Giannis and oladipo and then siakam and those four guys before him i would say i would safely say they could be number one options on teams yeah. and I, I could safely say you give them that kind of money yep so i definitely see siakam as improving actually i could see him improving way more so oh, yeah. this guy is really the limit for him i mean for Giannis, uh what is it and when did he win the uh, most improved player um, that was uh, two years ago. So, um, 2016, 17,
0: and now he's uh, being considered the best the player best of the NBA. Mm-hmm. So that uh, I, I agree with you. The uh, Siakam ceiling is still uh, growing. I, I don't know where his limit is, but I can tell you one thing: if he's learning this fast, like you're saying, and
1: uh, and it's in such a short time, he's made incredible leaps and bounds. Uh, he's only played since he was 16. What yeah. what, what blows my mind is that a 16 year old a person that just picks up the, the ball at 16 years old is became so good in, like, so let's say, like, one, two, three years to, to make it into um, the NCAA and then to actually get drafted in the first round. As opposed to how many... There are millions of people who who have been playing since they were five years old who can never get that far in 10, 15 years. Some people are just born lucky. Let's just yeah. put it that way. I'm just saying his... Uh, the potential for him is insane. Like, the fact that he picked it up that quickly, and the fact that he's still young means that he'll just keep picking it up quickly.
0: Yep. Um, I'm really excited for uh, what Siakam can do going forward, especially with Fred Van Fleet, who continues to uh, excel and continues to uh, defy the odds, uh, especially for a guy of his height. Uh, I think the Raptors have something special with those two uh, on the floor, and uh, I know people are saying, oh, is the Raptors going to rebuild this year? No. Why would they rebuild? The only thing they can really do is just, like, set turn over the older players and uh, find uh, u- more youthful options to uh, complement uh, Siakam
1: and VanVleet because I think, really, they have what they need. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll just start wrapping up here, but yeah, um, the other headlines in basketball, we'll just graze over them quickly. Carmelo Anthony has signed with the Trailblazers. The joke is the Toronto Raptors kind of made them <laughs> yeah, sign Carmelo Anthony. But what do you think uh, about the signing? Um, I don't know.
0: What Carmelo Anthony's uh, potential is at this point, he's most likely going to be a bench player because he's getting up there in age. Um, I just hope he can find some success because the poor guy like has not even come close to an NBA Finals in his career. Well, what was the furthest he's been in the playoffs? Like the second round, maybe. Like I'm,
1: the poor guy. Like I hope. I hope he finally finds uh, luck. Like, yeah, I'm gonna be honest. Like I love Carmelo Anthony. Um, He's definitely one of the most respected players And he deserves to be one of the most respected players One of the best scorers of all time (laughs) Definitely a Hall of Famer But I think we all I think everyone is respecting him But we all have to see That he is definitely not the player That he once was And I'm not going to say he's washed up Because I don't know what he could Look at Dwight Howard Who people thought was washed up And he's balling right now And I hope the same for Mellow. I hope so too. But, um, I just don't see him. There's a reason why no team would touch him. I just there has to be a reason. I just I just don't see him being that big of a, of a, a signing. I I don't really see him making that big of a dent on the team. And um, yeah, like he he's just not where he was before. And he he really, um, he his career really took a turn and went downwards. But I really hope he can contribute. A big part of the, the reason why he wasn't working out was he uh, reportedly is... he's He doesn't want to accept the fact that he his role has to be diminished. Yeah, and because he's
0: been so used to being the, the guy. The guy, offense. yeah.
1: And I think all the way back in Oklahoma City, he should have been accepting that he's a, he, he, he's a bench player. Yeah. And I think that's where the problem lies, and I think... I think Portland should have, you know, laid it out pretty clearly to him when he signed this contract like you're going to be a bench player
0: or just a yeah, you're you going to have to work bench. your way up.
1: Yeah. If if you are going to ball out, you have to work your way up. We're we're not giving you starting minutes.
0: I think that's really what he has to do if he wants to continue his NBA career. Uh hopefully in Portland it humbles him yeah. to uh, realize, hey, my I'm not the player I once was. If I want to continue to be an NBA player, I'm going to have to accept the fact that uh, I'm going to have to come off the bench.
1: It makes you think, though, that so all these teams wouldn't even touch him as an NBA player. They wouldn't even touch him as a bench player. So, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see how he fits into the Portland team. I really don't want to see him get cut from another team, but I don't know. We'll I don't s- know what it, what what his... Potential I mean Portland
0: Portland was made all the way to the uh, Western Conference Finals last year so p- maybe that could give him incentive to try and
1: uh, work his way up because that's a team that could potentially go far. And then another team I just quickly want to talk about was uh yeah, of course. the Boston Celtics. Uh, you, we we kind of talked about this before we started recording but I like how you put it. The East is wide open now more than people expected it to be. Um you kind of you you want to talk about that. Yeah. A little? We'll talk
0: about it briefly. Um Everybody thought going into the season, and I think we could both agree with that, that uh, it was either the, it was going to be the Bucks and the 76ers on a collision course in the Eastern Conference Finals. And whoever else made the playoffs, whatever. But I'm glad that that prediction has been proven wrong because, holy smokes, the Eastern Conference this uh, this year has been uh, exciting to watch. Yeah,
1: the Sixers have been sluggish. Same with the Bucks. They started off really good. The Sixers started off really good, but yeah, yeah they, but they-, they kind of... Uh, had a had a bad streak. Yeah,
0: but they, there's also a lot of really good competition. Miami people kept forgetting about them. Miami's and playing they've great. been great. I believe they're
1: second right now in the in the conference. So Jimmy good. Butler's been a really
0: really big. He fits in perfectly. Yeah, there.
1: and like who's their coach again? I can't remember.
0: I can't remember either right <laughs> now. His name is not coming. By me. But it's a it's a, I it's a, it's, I can't believe I'm forgetting this. But like yeah, he's definitely perfect for that system. There um, Spolstra. That's yep. who it is, Spolstra. There you go. Um, He's been there forever. Yep, exactly. Um, who else is there in the Eastern Conference? Uh, Celtics, like we were saying, have been uh, right back in the mix. Uh, Kemba Walker, as I was as I was saying from before, is a much better fit for them when when compared to uh, Kyrie Irving. And no disrespect to Kyrie, Irving. I won't
1: say that the the East still isn't that great when you look at oh, of course, the fact that the Hawks and the Nets are in playoff spots right now with a 4 and 7 record. But it's also November. Anything- it is also November, but it just shows that east teams are kind of getting dominated by western teams. Yeah. Um but hey, at least the top 5 is top 5 and top 6 is looking very solid.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's uh like I was saying, the east is wide open. I hope that uh, more teams can make it more competitive because uh, if there's one thing that the NBA would love more than anything is to have Quality competition in both conferences. And that will make for not only an exciting playoff, but hopefully an exciting uh, NBA finals, just like the one we had uh, last year.
1: And, yeah, the Celtics, like, I would not have told (laughs) – I would not have even believed they would be playing this well this season. I've never seen the Celtics as being a real um, top of the conference team over the last couple seasons. Um, But right now they're 9-1. And, honestly, I think it does come back to Kemba Walker because he's been balling – he seems like he perfectly fits into the team, into the team's culture. And um, he's a, he's definitely a much better um, point guard than uh, Kyrie Irving.
0: Yeah, um, and like I was saying, Kyrie, Kemba Walker doesn't necessarily have to be the top guy on the uh, Boston Celtics all the time because they already have some quality pieces on the team. And I think that's really what makes him such a better fit because Kyrie Irving uh, always had the mindset, I need, I want to be the number one guy. I want to be the top dog on this team, and when you have a bunch of quality young players that also think that they can be quality, can like provide a lot of uh, value to the team on both ends of the floor, uh, that really makes for uh, a tough dynamic. And I think it's good on Boston for recognizing that and uh, trading him while his... Well, did he did he trade trade or did
1: he? He signed. Sp- he is oh, okay. He is not a selfish player. He's a great player. I've always loved Kemba Walker, and I'm just looking at like the stats with their last game versus the Wizards, and. Um, their starting lineup just... Their offense is really spread out, and that's a good thing to see. Like, you have Jalen Brown scoring 22, Jason Tatum scoring 23, Cantor scoring 13, Smart scoring 17, <clears throat> and Walker scoring uh 25. That's, like, very spread out within their starting lineup. I think that's a team
0: that I wouldn't be surprised makes the NBA Finals this year. If it's not the, six, the Sixers and the Bucks. I'm putting my money that the Celtics are going to be in the NBA finals, so they're, they're and they're going to the, make a. They're the dark horse. I'd say them, the Raptors, and the Heat are the dark horses in the East right now. Mm-hmm. Probably them have the best shot. No disrespect to the Raptors, but the Celtics are the more complete team. And it's way
1: it, exactly. It's it, the East is way more open than um, last year, where we only had the Raptors, the Sixers, the Bucks, um, and that's that was actually really it. Yep,
0: yeah, exactly. That was it. And uh, credit where credit's due, the Raptors made the NBA finals. Very interesting to the point where they actually won the damn thing. But uh, I just hope that we have more competitive uh, NBA Finals because, what was it, we had four straight years of the same thing year after year, and then four additional years before that of the same guy in the NBA Finals.
1: I think it's time that uh, we have some more uh, competitive balance. And- the team is... I mean, the league <coughs> is at the, is in the best position it's been in a long time, and it's it's really true. Not... Of course, it's been fixed with all these duos, but not just the West. Now, now the East is becoming more competitive, and that's such a nice thing to see.
0: Absolutely, uh, I think we've been going on for quite a while, so we I think have. it's time to wrap so up. I
1: think, um, yeah, I think that's all we have for today. Um, again, we are behind the net podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Michael. You can um you can follow us on uh, Twitter. That's where we post a lot about sports and about the Raptors, about the Leafs, Blue Jays will start up soon enough um things like that um you can follow me at matt underscore rodrigo underscore and you can follow me on twitter at the leafs imo all right thank you for listening and we'll see you guys
0: next week